I want to turn your attention this morning to the book of Acts chapter 16, and we begin reading in verse 25. Acts chapter 16, reading verses 25 and 26. This is a great chapter that talks about the revival that took place in Philippi, the city of Philippi. Paul was traveling with Silas at this point. Barnabas, who had been traveling with him before, had sort of split off and was traveling now with John Mark. And so Silas was now uh, traveling with Paul. And as many revivals attest to, it started out with adversity and persecution. But I'm glad the Lord has the final say. And this is uh, just a great uh, two verses to sort of encapsulate what took place in Acts 16. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them. Isn't that something? The prisoners heard them. For all of you that think you should pray silently, that's not what Paul and Silas were doing. They were making a noise. They sang and they prayed out loud. And the prisoners, all the other prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed. I want to speak this morning on this subject, the sound of freedom. The sound of freedom. You may be seated. Thank you for standing in honor of the Word of God. William Booth Cliborne was born on August 4th, 1893 in Switzerland, the grandson of William and Catherine Booth, who were the founders of the Salvation Army. His father was Commissioner Arthur Sidney Cliborne, who lived from 1855 to 1939. Arthur was a pioneering early Salvation Army officer in France and Switzerland. He joined the Salvation Army in 1881 and became chief of staff to Booth's oldest daughter, Catherine, during her mission in France. They married on February the 18th, 1887, and changed their surname, their last name, to Booth uh, Cliborne. Of course, Booth was her maiden name, Cleborne was his last name, and so their surname became uh, hyphenated Booth Cleborne. Assigned to Switzerland in 1889, the Booth Clebornes found that opposition to the Salvationists, which were the people were called that were part of the Salvation Army at that time, had grown in that country, leading to the government ordering that all Salvation Army halls be closed and that Arthur was thrown into prison. Following the birth of their 10th child, the Booth Cleborns resigned from the Salvation Army in January of 1902. They were searching for more of the Lord and religious freedom, and they joined the Pentecostal movement that was sweeping London in 1906. They continued to seek for the Lord, and they were filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, with the evidence of speaking in tongues, and they began to minister uh, as revival swept out through many countries in Europe. And they continued to minister in the United States as their evangelism brought them into this country. They came here with their, their young family. And in 1908, at the age of 15 years old, 
their son William was baptized with the Holy Ghost. As soon as he was baptized with the Holy Ghost, he felt a call of God upon his life. So even at the age of 15 years old, he began to minister uh, to the children whenever his parents would preach to the adults. And they traveled all over the United States and other countries in Europe preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. It wasn't long after they began to operate in the Holy Ghost that young William received the revelation of the oneness doctrine and was baptized in Jesus' name. He was tired of the country at this point. He was preaching revivals on his own, and he had preached a successful tent revival in Lodi, California in 1921. But when they moved further south and they set up a tent for another revival in Holtville, California, heavy rains and low attendance left them unable to pay the bills of that crusade. They couldn't pay the light bill. They couldn't pay the rent on the tent. And they had been literally washed out of having a tent revival. So William Booth Cleborn and his small team, they took temporary jobs as field hands harvesting corn in that very uh, fertile area, that valley there where they were at in California, where a lot of the crops grow that we even enjoy here in Florida and around the world. He was in the field with his friend one hot day, and they were gathering the crops, and they were just trying to work to pay their bills so they could go back to tent revivals across America. And and uh, William was feeling like a huge failure. He was there working, pulling corn and pulling crops, and he was there with his team, and they had all signed up to, to be, you know, evangelizing, doing crusades across America, and yet here they were working in the field uh, as labor, just trying to pay their bills. And he, he was trying to process all of this in his young mind. And he was questioning God and wondering why he was at this particular place. And he just stopped in the middle of the field. And he just looked up and was wiping sweat from his brow. And he just stared up into heaven. And according to his team that was with him, they said that William just started declaring these words into the air down from his glory ever living story my god and savior came and jesus was his name born in a manger to his own a stranger a man of sorrows tears and agony in the midst of this time of despondency, the Lord gave this man a powerful song. He wrote that famous song that day, standing in a cornfield, a struggling, oneness, Pentecostal evangelist. Here's a short clip of Karen Harding, an apostolic oneness singer, singing this song under the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Oh 
Thank you, Jesus. That, my friend, is the sound of freedom. More than 250 years ago, John Newton cried out to God and wrote a song that we are still singing today. Having lived through a rather unfortunate and troubled childhood, his mother passed away when he was just six years old. Newton spent years fighting against authority, going so far as trying to desert the Royal Navy in his 20s. Later abandoned by his crew in West Africa, he was forced to be a servant to a slave trader, but was eventually rescued. On the return voyage to England, a violent storm hit off the coast of Ireland and almost sank their ship. It prompted Newton to begin his spiritual conversion as he cried out to God to save them from the storm. Upon his return to England, however, Newton became a slave shipmaster, a profession in which he served for several years, bringing slaves from Africa to England over multiple trips. He admitted to sometimes treating the slaves abhorrently. And in 1754, after becoming violently ill on a sea voyage, Newton abandoned his life as a slave trader. He abandoned the slave trade and seafaring altogether. He began to wholeheartedly devote his life to God's service and to the ministry. He was ordained as an Anglican minister in 1764 and became quite popular as a preacher and a hymn writer, penning some 280 hymns. In later years, Newton fought alongside William Wilberforce, leader of the parliamentary campaign, to abolish the African slave trade. He described the horrors of the slave trade in a tract that he wrote supporting the campaign, and he lived to see the British passage of the Slave Trade Act of 1807. Almost 200 years after Newton wrote the lyrics to the song Amazing Grace, it became the ballad of the civil rights movement in the United States. And during the 1960s, it was sung at many Martin Luther King Jr. rallies by Mahalia Jackson. This here is a clip that I want to share with you of the song Amazing Grace being sung by our good friend and our neighbor, Pastor Wintley Phipps, as he sings Amazing Grace in Carnegie Hall.
That, my friend, is the sound of freedom. It didn't start just a few years ago. It goes back thousands of years ago to a night in a prison in Philippi. And it was more than just the sound of songs being sung. It's the sound of freedom when a man or a woman can lift up their voice and begin to declare the glory and the greatness of God. That's a liberated soul that can begin to declare, hallelujah, that he is the mighty God, that he can save anybody, even a wretch like me, hallelujah, that there was a mighty God that came down from heaven when the soul of a man or a woman begins to declare in song or testimony that our God is a great God and he is the great deliverer, that he is the mighty God. Oh, my friend, that's the sound of freedom. That's the sound of the jails breaking open. That's the sound of people being delivered from the addictions of their flesh. That's the sound of a man or a woman beginning to declare that God can do anything. The Bible says that they begin to sing songs. But more than that, it was the sound of prayer. The Bible says that they prayed and the prisoners heard them. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them. Oh, my friend, there's something about the sound of prayer that brings freedom to the soul. Oh, when a man or a woman begins to pray out loud without fear or favor and begins to pray with corporate voices. I have had the opportunity to be in places overseas and hear the sound of 20, 30,000 people praying together under the unction and the anointing of the Holy Ghost. It's the sound of a Russian mighty wind. It's the sound of freedom. Hallelujah. It's the sound.
sound of chains breaking. It's the sound of the foundations being broken up. I don't know about you, my friend, but I'm so thankful that freedom has a sound. And it's the song and the declaration of a human heart. A couple of weeks ago, Pastor David Elms, pastor of Cathedral Pentecost in Fort Lauderdale and I and our wives had the opportunity to visit the Brooklyn Tabernacle on Father's Day. And while we were there, we had great fellowship with Pastor Jim Cimbalon. There are some great things that are happening as God has brought together some amazing people to help us to go forward in what I believe is going to be an incredible demonstration of God's love but a couple of weeks ago as we were there we began to feel the power and the presence of God so strong uh, in that church they have been there for some 50 years and they've taken a theater and turned it into a church and it's been an amazing thing I remember reading Pastor Jim's books Fresh Fire and Fresh Prayer when I was uh, a younger man he's 79 years old now but there was no doubt the power of God was in that place. And afterwards, when we were, we were speaking together, he began to tell us about a live album that they had recorded there. And uh, they are known for their singing. His wife, leading the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir, she wrote the song, He's Been Faithful, a lot of songs that we sing. But there was such a move of the Holy Ghost that he said, you know, this church was built on prayer. And he said, when we were recording our live album, he said the presence of God moved into a, a particular song that was sung. And he said uh, they, uh, they wanted to edit it out because it's a live album. And it's usually either singing. There's no dead space, you know, singing or, or some testimony or, or some sort of a uh, musical, you know, medley going on. But not just the congregation responding. But he said, my wife said she wanted two minutes of that group praying, that choir praying, that audience praying, wanted it left on the album. And the producers tried to talk them out of it, but she prevailed. And so there's two minutes on their live album that is just people worshiping and praying. And they usually, their music and, and their albums are well known in Christian ranks and they may have a million or two views uh, of people watching on uh, YouTube. But that particular part, two minutes of just people praying, that the producers told them needs to be edited out. Over 51 million views. People hungry for the sound of prayer. Oh, you don't ever be ashamed to lift up your voice and declare the glory and the greatness of God. Don't ever be ashamed to pray over your meal in a public place. Don't ever be ashamed to lift your hands and to worship God in the marketplace. There's something powerful that changes in the atmosphere when a man or a woman will declare through prayer. It's the sound of freedom. It's a sound of a soul that has been set free. I want you to hear this is only a couple of minutes, but I want you to hear this because it's the sound of former drug addicts praying. 
It's the sound of former prostitutes praying. It's the sound of chains falling. It's the sound of foundations breaking up. Watch this. There's something powerful that takes place when men and women filled with the Holy Ghost begin to pray. I said there's something powerful that takes place uh, when men and women begin to pray. Uh, Oh, you don't realize it, but there are walls that come down when you begin to pray. Uh, If you've ever been filled with the Holy Ghost, uh, with the evidence of speaking in tongues, uh, and you open your mouth and you begin to pray, uh, I want to tell you right now, the atmosphere changes. Uh, There are spirits that have to depart uh, when a man or a woman begins to worship the Lord under the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Uh, There are chains that come off. Uh, There are foundations that break forth. Uh, There are walls that come down. There are doors that are open. Oh, don't be ashamed to declare His glory. Don't be ashamed to praise Him. It's the sound of free. (laughs) 
Suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed. That's the sound of deliverance. Just four chapters earlier, God brought Peter out of a prison without making a peep. The angel walked up to the prison doors and they opened on their own without even a squeak. It was a stealth-like prison break. Oh, my friend, God can do quiet miracles and he can make some noise. Peter was sleeping when he was delivered. So the Lord gave him a, a silent deliverance. But Paul and Silas were making some noise when they were delivered. So God gave them a loud deliverance. God will match your praise level. You want to be quiet? God can be quiet. But if you need a big miracle, you got to give him some big praise. Oh, hallelujah. If you need a miracle that will win your friends and family members and neighbors, then you got to serve God in a big way for all to see that you are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He will match your praise level. Well, I don't know about you, uh, but I need a God that can break up the foundations. I need a God that can open up the prison doors. And for that to happen, we got to have a people that can sing and shout and pray out loud, out loud. That jailbreak brought deliverance to many. Even the jailer got saved and his entire house. It may be in these last days that we're not going to be able to be incognito Christians. We're not going to be able to be stealth-like in our faith. It may be that God's going to require us to come out of the middle ground, draw a line in the sand and declare, are you on the Lord's side or are you not? But oh, my friend, if you've ever gotten a desperate situation, it's an easy decision. Paul and Silas said, no, we're not going to be quiet. We've come here to have a revival in the city of Philippi. And now they beat us and they put us in prison and they've done it in a very public shaming way. But God's got the final say. And I don't know what's happened to you that may be obvious to those around you, but I got a God, hallelujah, that's going to have the final say. He's going to bring you out. And it's not going to be stealth-like. It's not going to be quiet. He's going to bring you out with a bang. He's going to bring you out with the foundations breaking loose. He's going to bring you out with the doors opening up. He's going to bring you out with the sound of chains falling off. And your friends are going to say, I don't believe you'd ever be in the house of God. I partied with you. I know how crazy you are. Yeah, but now I'm crazy for Jesus. Now I'm made up in my mind that God's going to get my passion and God's given me purpose. The Bible gives us a lot of examples. The sound of victory. In 2 Samuel chapter 5, David was fighting the Philistines and they were relentless. I mean, he would defeat them and then they would come at him again. Verse 22 of that chapter says, and the Philistines came yet again. Have you ever had one of them situations where it seems like 
you get a victory, but then the enemy comes at you again and again and again. And the Bible said that the Philistines spread themselves out in the valley of, of Rimfam. That was a way of intimidating. They would spread themselves out to show how many they were, how great the number was. And when David inquired of the Lord, David went to prayer. David had a successful army. David had defeated them many times before. But David was smart enough to pray before he went to battle. It was his way of acknowledging, uh, you don't ever get so strong that you don't need God to lead you and guide you and direct you. I come to give somebody a word this morning. I don't know what you may be facing, but the same God that got you to this point is the same God that's going to get you through the next challenge and going to get you through the next trial. I say, the same God that brought you to this point is the same God. Hallelujah. That's going to see you through. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. He's not a God that's only going to bring you halfway and leave you. He's going to finish what he started. He's got deliverance for you. When David inquired of the Lord, he said, Thou shalt not go up, but fetch a compass behind them, or a compass, a way that they gathered. And come upon them over against the mulberry trees. In other words, get in position for victory. Get the posture of victory. But then wait. Verse 24, and let it be that when thou hearest the sound. Everybody say the sound. When thou hearest the sound of a going. In the tops of the mulberry trees. When you hear the branches begin to rustle. That then thou shalt bestir thyself. For then shall the Lord go out before thee. To smite the host of the Philistines. Let me tell you what I feel in my spirit, East Wind. I feel that God is wanting us to get in the right position for victory. He's wanting us to get postured for victory. It's not going to be something that you and I have got to win on our own. But there is a stirring that is going on. And we've got to pray. And we've got to have the mind of God and the will of God. But when the wind begins to blow, anytime you move wind, it makes a sound. And I've come to tell you that when the Spirit moves, it's the sound of deliverance. It's the sound of salvation. It's the sound of prodigals coming home. It's the sound of marriages being put back together. It's the sound of deliverance from alcohol and drugs and pornography. It's the sound of freedom. But we got to get positioned for it. Got to get in the right posture. Here it comes. We're not going to do it on our own. God's going to give you the victory that you've been seeking for. But get ready. Get ready. And when you hear the sound, attack. Bestir thyself. Take the moment. Seize the moment. This is our hour. This is our day. At Marine Corps Air Station, New River in North Carolina, has a large sign before you enter the base. And that sign says, pardon our noise. It's the sound of freedom. At Luke Air Force Base in Glendale, Arizona, the sound of F-16s and F-18s can be heard on a regular basis.
The fighter jets fly overhead, screaming by with precision and power. The neighbors started complaining about the loud noise. And one day, some of the complaints were published in the city newspaper, in particular about a formation of four F-16s that were screaming overhead. What the people that complained did not know is that the jets were on their way to a memorial service to honor a fallen Air Force captain. And they were in a missing man formation. And the noise is the essence and the meaning of the sign and the formation. Lieutenant Colonel Scott Plunes, commander of the 63rd Fighter Squadron at Luke Air Force Base, responded to the complaint by writing a letter to the paper and asking that it be published, and it was. He said in his open letter, Only two defining forces have ever offered to die for you, Jesus Christ and the American soldier. One died for your soul and the other for your freedom. We ought to thank the Lord uh, that we have freedom to worship God today. It was not by accident that we gathered in this place today and did not fear for our life. It's because of our forefathers that went before us and many that sacrificed with their own blood. But I come today to tell you that there is a Savior and His name is Jesus. And He sacrificed His blood so that you and I could have freedom. That the foundations could break loose. Oh, there's so many times that people declare that however you were treated, whatever you were exposed to in your formative years, between the ages of zero and five, that you'll never get over. Because those years were foundational. They shaped your personality. And I rise today on this Freedom Sunday to declare to you a God that can break up the foundation. Your daddy may have been an alcoholic. Your grandfather may have been an alcoholic. But it doesn't mean you have to be an alcoholic. There's freedom in the house today. There's deliverance in the house today. Because the God that I serve is a God that can break up the very foundations of the deep. And you don't have to live the way that you've been living. There's hope. I said there's hope. There's life. There's light at the end of the tunnel. There's a God that said, if you'll pray, if you'll praise me, if you'll glorify me, if you'll open your mouth and sing the songs of Zion, I can open the door. I can break up the foundations. Even of our own psyche, He can break up the foundations. For those of you that have never experienced the power of God's presence, we say, excuse the noise. It's the sound of freedom. For those of you that have never been delivered by the hand of God, forgive the noise of our praise. It's the sound of freedom. For those of you that don't know what it is to get to the end of your rope and not know if you can go any further, but to feel the sweet presence of God come down in your car or in your room and wrap His arms around you, I say to you today, forgive the noise. It's the sound of freedom. 
ultimate freedom. Jesus. Mm. I feel it wanting to bust down in this place. I feel letting the Holy Ghost to stand to our feet and just take a moment here. let it come from your innermost being I once was lost but now I'm found Yes, 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 yes. In the name of Jesus. As the musicians and singers are coming, I want to declare to you today that the ultimate freedom was the outpouring of the Spirit of God. In the book of Acts, we read that the Holy Ghost was poured out with a sound from heaven. I said the Holy Ghost was poured out with a sound from heaven. It was the sound of a rushing mighty wind. When air moves quickly, it makes a noise. In Scripture, the wind is synonymous with spirit. The moving of the wind is the sound of freedom. It's the sound of deliverance. And it's evidenced with the sound. They begin to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. The sound of freedom comes with the sound of a rushing mighty wind. And it fills the house where they were sitting. They weren't sitting quietly by. 
they were sitting with their hands in the air and their mouths open toward heaven as they begin to declare the greatness of God. I wonder today, is there anybody in this building that would lift your voice and make a sound of praise in this house? There's a sound of praise in your mouth. There's a sound of deliverance in you. 